get ready for Mental Flock with Jeff and Bishop. Grab your snacks. It's about to get real. All right, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary, interdimensional beings, and all others. This is Mental Flog, and I am the wizard, Jeff, and I've got with me... I is Bishop. Cuckoo. So we are going deeper into the Phoenix Rising saga. Um, Previously, we told our stories as to our fall, the moments that we hit rock bottom. Now we're going into the rise. Now, I think when I think Phoenix Rising, when you think Phoenix Rising, you think like this, you know, glorious, magnificent beast rising from the ashes and taking flight. But I think when I wrote out my entire like rise story, I think about like a demotivational poster I saw in an HR office one time. (laughs) And it shows this penguin waddling out onto the ice, flipping its flippers like as frantically as possible. And the caption at the bottom says, you never know how far how far you can walk until you try to spread your wings and fly. <laughs> so I think uh, probably instead of Phoenix Rising, it might be more at, more apt to say that my story is more like a penguin waddling and prying itself from the jaws of a harp seal and just like floundering about on the ice but you know doing doing a, doing a little bit better than it was in in the jaws of the harp seal anyway it's it's not a smooth journey up it's so, it's really not oh definitely not and with this i've been re uh writing out my story i've been revisiting some of the old self-help books that i read that kind of helped me through the process to begin with and one that i've been revisiting it's uh, no more mr nice guy i mean it's kind of one of the classic men's self-help um books And with that, it talks about, yeah, like the journey is not a straight path. And with this is guys that get into that nice guy mentality. They want to do everything to try to keep their life as smooth as possible. But you just got to embrace the fact that life is a roller coaster. It's going to be up, down, sideways, like loop-de-loops that hold you upside down sometimes. But I mean, if you can embrace that and just move forward past it, you're going to find that it's gradually getting better just as long as you know you're keeping your shit together and like working forward towards your goals and getting your shit together so here's the fun thing uh i i started writing my story out first and after my tower story jeff's like you were the better storyteller and i should write mine out next time and not be you know bullet point driven like i was and i was like hey good luck man because this sucks to write we haven't told this part of the story oh no that's and i think I'm really at a point where I hate telling my tower story. (laughs) Like it's, you know, that's a part of my life that I'm like, yeah, I went through it and I know it, it empowers other people to be able to talk openly about their bullshit and be able to move forward. But like this sucked. This is also like uncovering a bunch of stuff about myself that I don't want to talk about casually to, people who just honestly are not that important in my life. So yeah, that's that's not easy. It's like, I'd rather talk about the rise than the fall. But even, even then, like talking about the rise, because I'm, I'm looking at how I wrote everything out, and it's like, this, this still wasn't like an easy road. Does it kind of feel like it's the Tower Story Part 2 with a happy ending? 
Exactly. Okay. Or, or in, instead of it being because you know it it's the and they lived happily ever after. There there's a reason why that is the ending for fairy tales. <laughs> because this is the real life, and real life, the I, I think instead of being able to say and they lived happily ever after, it'd be more apt to say and and as long as you can be at this stage, you're doing good, which is. And things were mostly okay. Fair. So, fun fact. Uh, normally, we have like a little shared script and we kind of have an idea of what each other is going to say. But for this, we've gone completely off the chain and Jeff has written his own Rise story. I've written my own Rise story. Neither of us know what the other is about to say in these episodes. And today is Saturday, what, the 28th? And we're recording both episodes today is the plan as long as time allows. Cool, cool. So before we dive into your story, man, I just have a little thing I want to put out there. Um, so if you've been following along, you've now heard four different fall stories, and we hope it's been beneficial for you. Uh, what we're about to share next is the rise story, the climb back to being a healthy human. We have a request for our listeners. Please leave us a voicemail or a text if these stories have inspired you. If you have words of encouragement for any of us that have shared our experiences, we'd love to hear them. Even if it's a question, send it our way. We plan on getting all four of us together after the last Rise story has been told. That'll be AJ's story. So it'll be Jeff, myself, Ariel, and then AJ. But we'd love to hear what you've thought of this journey. And if you leave a voicemail, you might even hear it on the show. And our phone number for that is always the 435-538-9556. And once again, that's an unmonitored line. It goes right to voicemail. You won't have to talk to one of us personally. Um, if you text, we'll get the text. You know, we don't need to respond to you unless you want us to text you back if you have a question that way. But give us some feedback, give some encouragement, some positivity, because it takes a lot to share this and to put on the show. And every time we hear that it's actually touched or helped somebody, it gives us a little more gas in the tank to keep going and make it more episodes. Yep. So listen, get your friends to listen, like, and call us, text us, email us, send a carrier pigeon. But yeah, like talk talk to us. Let's get a dialogue going here, people. All right, man. So I am turning this over to you, Jeff. This is your saga, your story. What you got for us? Are we diving into the story? Are we doing a card? How do you want to run this? Okay. Well, first I did pull a card because, you know, that's what we traditionally do. And the card that I pulled that sums up the theme about my story is the Queen of Cups. Very nice. Now, I think that this is apt you know, for, for my story, because it represents that ideal that we as men try to chase after and how we can get ourselves into trouble here. The, the queen of cups is somebody who's very emotionally astute. This is the ultimate, like divine feminine, so to speak. Well, probably higher than that. And the tarot would be the empress, but this is somebody who's all about nurturing emotional intelligence and being able to be that caregiver that watches after their flock and really takes care of people where like parental figures, bad relationships, things like that in the past have kind of let them down. And with that, realizing at this state in my journey, you know, trying to be able to, to, to find more of that is requiring that 
I'm taking a step back, looking more at myself and looking at what I need to do to be able to step more into the divine masculine role. It's the, you know, the kind of that polarity of all things. It's one of those hermetic principles, like there's give and take for everything. And us as, well, like straight men in particular, like I'm, you know, other relationship dynamics, we probably see like this polarity as well. But searching after that more nurturing, caregiving, and somebody who can like look after you a little bit emotionally, like requires that becoming a little bit more emotionally intelligent on our end, stepping more into the divine masculine, being able to feel our emotions, but not be controlled by them, and being able to step up and be the protector, the rock, and trying to like get my shit together now to be able to step more into that part of that is trying to better connect with my bros. Notice that this is something that I see a lot in our modern society here. Like we all come from broken homes and things like that. Most of us dudes like grew up without any good male role models. And just because you have both parents in the home don't mean shit ain't broken. Well, I mean, exactly. Like I, you know, love my parents to death, but you know, and they tried as best as possible, but still, like, I didn't exactly have the best examples growing up, especially when it came to strong male role models. So my daddy is very introverted and not the most social person. So, I mean, every now and again, like, he would have other male friends or things like that, but they weren't present. I think this is something that I, I, I feel is important for kids coming into the world is to have those, a circle of like healthy male role models as well as like circle of healthy female role models. But I think, you know, and this is, I, this is me just flying off the cuff here. I think we as a society have been putting way too much on women. Um, like, more of the feminine aspects we're expecting them to do the heavy lifting here they're doing all the child rearing like only one in five educators now like are 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 male so with this it's just those strong male the divine masculine is becoming it, it it's becoming extinct and, you know, I'm not blaming one thing or another. I'm not going to go into, like, you know, these, you know, you see, like, these right-wing alpha male, like, the sissification of America. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not that. Because there, there's a lot more at play than whatever fragile male, male ego thing goes here. Because it's, you know, the, the true masculinity isn't going to put on this front about like, you know, like I'm an alpha male, blah, blah, blah. I'm married to my guns and all of that other bullshit. It's yeah. It's about being that rock. It's about having your shit together emotionally. It's about being emotionally mature and being able to like, yeah, not, not just be there as a protector and a provider for your families or whatnot, but being able to be there as like that role model, that protector within our communities. And I think if there's anything more than anything else that I think that we're all lacking in modern society really is community. Fair enough. 
Well, sir, shall we dive into your eyes? Yes. So, okay. Here we go. So, it was early March 2017. Was supposed was when I tried to take my own life. Now, this is the story that's uh, my rise from the ashes, but we're going to start from here. Now, my storytelling style tends to jump around, and it's not going to be 100% linear, but, but this, this is what you get. So at this point, it was apparent my marriage was over, and it seemed my ex-wife didn't just want out, but wanted to make me suffer in the process. I had met with two different attorneys at this point because I was intent on clawing my way back and getting custody of my daughter. One attorney wanted $5,000 up front. No guarantees I'd win. The other laid it out simply and let me know that because of the weird polyamory situation and this being the state of Utah, no matter what I did, no matter how much money I had, I would lose. Very promising outcomes. Oh. Oh, shizzle my nizzle. <laughs> so there was this defiant part of me that was determined to get right back into a relationship, right back into, right back into the work field, right back into owning a house, and getting full custody of my daughter. The other part of me had been fighting severe depression and simply just wanted to cease to exist. Any help that I would get in trying to fight off this other part was in the form of throwing another pill at the situation and just upping the dose. Zoloft, Xanax, Prazosin, Venlafaxine, Ambien, Belsamra, Trazodone. The more that defiant part was having to accept defeat, the more the part that just wanted to end it all was taking over. I tried going on a few dates only to see interest vanish entirely as, start, as soon as they started asking questions about my situation. Couldn't find a room to rent with my two dogs, let alone a, an apartment or a house. I thought I'd landed a good job, but I almost immediately started getting garnished for my student loans. And then I would eventually lose that job after missing several days of work after my attempt and never being able to make it to work on time because... It was impossible to get up at 6 a.m. to be at work on time with the meds that they had me on. I tried to be open about my journey, but would erase all of my social media and start over from scratch a couple of weeks before the incident because it seemed like there was always someone waiting in every corner to chime in with their judgments. So I didn't even know if I had any real friends in my corner anymore. I felt kicked, defeated everywhere I turned, and knowing that I didn't have a prayer when it came to being able to be in my unborn child's life, that's what sent me over the edge. Understandably so. So, but by some miracle, I woke up the next day. I didn't tell anybody for months that an attempt was made. The primary feeling I had coming out of what I had done was just intense guilt and shame. You don't think about the damage you're about to do at the time, but afterwards, it hits you hard. How what you try to do wouldn't really end your suffering. It would just pass it along for others to have to deal with. Now, I didn't remember throwing up at all, but seeing the state of the bathroom, it was obvious I had gotten up at least a few times, and that's what likely saved me, because apparently a common way you go when you try the sleeping pills and alcohol route is that you throw up in your sleep and then die from asphyxiation on your own vomit. So the second feeling I had was, when I was coherent again, was that something somewhere must have been looking out for me, and apparently didn't think it was time for me to make my exit. So a few months previous, I was in three relationships. That took up all of my time. And at th this time, it was the first time having to get used to the idea for almost a decade and a half, I'm now single. So I had to start figuring out how to make the best of it. 
I tried different attention getting schemes, but anytime I'd go out to try to do anything in public half of the time, I'd end up hastily running back to where I was staying at the time because I'd rather either run into my ex-wife or baby's mama or someone else that I didn't want to run into. So after I had recovered from my attempt, I decided to push myself again, and of all things thought, you know, a Harry Potter convention would be a good little distraction. Little did I know that this would be a great turning point. So I didn't have much to my name at this time. $500 was all I had been left with after everything with the fallout from the ex-wife. I was supposed to get half of the profit from selling the house, which my cut would have been about $3,500 to rebuild with. But once the house was sold, there was a million reasons why the money wasn't there. And ultimately, I was only given $500 because my sister begged my ex-wife to not be so cruel and let me have something to be able to rebuild with. But despite the less than ramen budget I was working with, a large leather journal caught my eye. And something told me that despite the $160 price tag, I was meant to go home with it. Kids would stop me and ask me what kind of book I was carrying. I told them that it was a book of the most powerful spells in the universe, but only the most powerful wizards could read it. For everyone else, all of the pages would just appear blank. I didn't know what I was going to do with the journal at that time, but I had started intricately filling it out with diagrams and references for things related to my spirituality and my journey and my wizardry, with the intention of this eventually becoming a family heirloom. Excuse me, still mostly atheist. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> and mostly skeptical at this time. I saw a sign for $10 psychic readings and decided to go for it, just for pure entertainment purposes. Now, I've done these things before for entertainment's sake. You go to a little tent and some girl with beads in her hair and a tie-dye skirt tells you you're about to meet the love of your life or some bullshit. In this case, though, it was just a dude in jeans and a plain t-shirt and a baseball cap. And he was the real fucking deal. All I gave him was my birthday, and from there, he immediately dove deep into the heart of all the problems I was going through, touching on all of the shit that I didn't want to talk to with any about with anybody. So I was shook. I booked another longer session with him for a later date, and after much chastisement about how I was pushing too much to try to regain what was lost, and I needed to let go and allow myself to start the healing process, he also revealed to me that he could tell that there was a spark there, and that there were gifts that I had not dis discovered yet, and he wouldn't be surprised if one day I was reading the cards for him. And lo and behold, a couple of days later, my friend with benefits, who was the one person checking in for me to time to time when they were in town, felt inspired to gift me a set of tarot cards that they were no longer using and just felt like they should give them to me for some reason. What a weird little coincidence, huh? So I'd take this deck with me to bars and let people know I was just learning, but was willing to read cards for whoever wanted, and if they felt inclined, they could repay me with uh, buying me a beer. Wasn't long before I was bringing people to tears and being told that I needed to start reading professionally. Now my family is weird. We all have strange dreams, weird inclinations about things that we always end up regretting if we ignore I spent a great deal of time running from this part of me as my mother had a way of tying this all in with Mormonism and how the gifts were only there so long as we did all the right things that good little Mormons were supposed to do. I didn't want to admit that any part of this might be at play and thought that everything I was doing was simply because those who've survived shit have a way of being able to see the truth behind the shit others are going through. 
That may mostly be the case still, but as I'm getting older and deeper into things now, I'm only getting more and more weird and experiencing more and more that cannot be explained anyway with logic and psychology. So let's back up a little bit to the living situation. New Year's Day 2017, after I found out both my ex-wife and baby's mama were leaving me, I wound up spending a week at Salt Lake Behavioral. Even though the staff and other patients became very protective over me after seeing that baby's mom in particular was being absolutely horrid when she would come and visit, I didn't have much say in the matter and was told that once I'd get out that I'd be staying with baby's mom and her wife, even though our relationship was over. So I was given a rundown of how everything would work. So long as I was there, I would be the house bitch. And baby's mama would rule over all aspects of my life. So I tried to keep my head low, keep the place clean, not cause any trouble, but because it was obvious that I was hurting still and couldn't keep on a happy face, baby's mama confronted me about moping about the place and keeping everybody down. I made a plea in tears at that point, for the sake of our unborn child, that we needed to try to work things out. But instead, she once again reiterated that she didn't love me, let alone like me, and that she was going to raise the child to hate me. It was about 3 a.m. that night when my sister came all the way from Tooele to rescue me, only after two days of trying to live in that house. The entire time I was packing up and getting out, I was lectured about how dramatic and inconsiderate I was being and that some people had to work in the morning. Stayed a few nights with my sister and found out that the uh, commute to several of my job interviews was at least an hour from Tooele. This was not going to work. I was lamenting my woes on Facebook. I wasn't going to give up my dogs, but it was appearing like I might have to if I had any prayer of finding anywhere to stay. Amongst all of the comments of, you did this to yourself, there was one person whom I had at my house a few years prior. We bonded over cocktail recipes and his dead-on impersonation of Rick Astley. <laughs> he chimed in that he had a temporary solution for me as he had been spending more and time, more time at his girlfriend's house and less and less time at his own apartment. And he had already paid a deposit to have two dogs at the property, and the lease would be up at the end of that March, but it was a place to stay temporarily. Now, I owe this person more than I'll ever be able to repay. Part of the guilt about my attempt was the great disservice I had done to him with my attempt, and how that would have been a rotten way to repay his charity if I would have been successful in my attempt. Sorry, getting a little bit emotional. That's fine. And so I had previously discussed how I eventually moved in with an old bandmate and his wife. They needed out of their situation and needed a roommate, so we all went in on an apartment. Now, I know I wasn't the best roommate with my head being a complete mess and my job hopping, leaving me short on rent one month. But two weeks into finding out, Two weeks into moving in, finding out that they were using hard drugs was only the start of all of the red flags. Now, I would eventually land stable employment, selling credit repair, while my own credit score was a flat 400. But the struggles of just trying to keep afloat and keep my head on straight would result in the car that I had getting repossessed, for one. This was a major blow, as this was, at many times, my main source of income, driving for a Lyft and Uber. I had adopted a vegetarian diet eventually, as it seemed like the only things I could afford that wouldn't disappear right away in the apartment were ramen noodles and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But while I was staying there, I did hone my skills as a tarot reader. 
and was doing the long overdue task of going to therapy. So let's focus on therapy here for a bit. So while hospitalized, several possible diagnoses were thrown around. But my therapist, once I was out of the hospital, to seem more of the opinion that they were grasping at straws, and the psychiatrist at the hospital that seemed to be more concerned about my weight than my mental health. My diagnosis, in his opinion, was major depression, generalized anxiety disorder, and PTSD. I would also hear for the first time the term codependency, and learn how my ex-wife and I had both been codependent on each other, but with the introduction of polyamory, as a codependent, I was prime prey for someone with narcissistic tendencies. Now that I knew exactly what was happening to me, with me, I learned that it wasn't some magic pill that was going to fix everything, but I needed shit to stop sucking. But most of the shit that sucked was because of my own tendencies that, that developed from not having my basic needs met in early childhood. Yay, early childhood trauma. But we've all had a rough childhood, so we can't let that be an excuse. So it's my own damn fault. But with that, being able to own that it's my own fault, that gives me the power to do something to fix it. So October 2017 was the breaking point with the roommates. An old friend I uh, I had made um, through the steampunk conven conventions and whatnot. Well, he offered me uh, a place that uh, me and the dog could, could stay temporarily, just as a means to be able to escape the situation. So it was intended to be only for three months, but I wound up living with him and his family for three years. So when I moved in with him, he and his wife were struggling, and they had been in an open relationship. So we definitely bonded over some similar experiences. As so, one does. So, well, I was originally intending on getting a place uh, with a co-worker who wound up becoming a good friend. Uh, that good friend, um, uh, that co-worker would eventually uh, reconnect with an old flame, and they wound up moving to get in together instead. So it worked out okay, though, because... My new roommate, a couple months in, would tell me that he enjoyed having me around and that I was welcome to stay as long as I liked. Now, the story of my rise still isn't about many, is, is still without many great losses. Um, the first being my dog, Lucifer, a few months after I moved in, passed away. It's like he got ill and 48 hours later, less than 48 hours later, he was, he was gone at the age of 12. And I had him for 10 of those 12 years. So, and it wasn't long after that that my roommate's wife uh, would leave, and we were both leaning on each other for support then to try to get through these rough spots in our lives. Now, the roommate was uh, running a b uh, barbecue truck, and that would mean that my time as a vegetarian would, would last a, a little less than a year before I would cave in and surrender to that oh-so-glorious pulled pork. <laughs> Like it was delicious, but I had to throw down for some severe probiotics to be able to make that adjustment to being able to eat meat again. So ultimately, what made me decide to give up on being vegetarian was a few books that I had read at the time that were helping me to get my head better together. Some of these included You Are a Badass, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, The Tao Te Ching, and No More Mr. Nice Guy. Within these texts were ideas of not hanging on to things that no longer serve you, but, you know, were only there for you to cling to out of comfort, and refusing to allow yourself to become a product of your circumstances. So December 2017, I had done some soul-searching and came to the conclusion that polyamory wasn't for me. Maintaining one relationship can be difficult enough, but 
Weaving together a tangled web of multiple relationships requires more emotional fortitude than someone with an Aquarius stellium will ever possess. In fact, all the Aquarius parts of me are better suited to be in zero relationships, but my Venus is in Capricorn, so unfortunately this means my heart needs stability and a safe place to call home. So I spoke with the friend with benefits that I had been seeing off and on throughout the past year and let them know this was not a path that I wanted to go down any longer. I wasn't going to entertain anything further with them any more than just being friends. This was the one that checked in on me from uh, time to time and provided me with my first uh, tarot deck. And they took the news graciously. And they were a very good friend up until we would have a falling out and yeah, at the end of 2020. And sadly, they would wind up taking their own life in October 2021. So she's one of my four life debts that I don't know I'll ever be able to repay. So One hell of a person. Oh, definitely. So that third life debt, of course, is my roommate, who I'm considered more of a brother now than anything. Like, he's saved my ass so many times and in so many ways that I'll never be able to find a way to, better, to, to fully repay him. And last debt is to a friend I made uh, doing readings at Area 51. She was yet another person trying to pick up the pieces in her life and needed friends and not just people that were trying to sleep with her. So we would help each other out from time to time when we were going through some rough shit. But when I moved in with the new roommate, I didn't have a car to be able to get to work. So she gave me an old car of hers that she could have easily just turned around and sold. So that car not only bailed me out of a tough spot, but I was later able to gift that car to my dad when his old beater died. And so that thing is still going with a new transmission in it, and it's pushing about 250,000 miles on it now. <laughs> what kind of car is it? Uh, that it, it was a 2001 Mitsubishi, uh, not, not a little answer. Shit. Tiny, tiny little mid, tiny, tiny little 2001 Mitsubishi sports car. Like, but it's that, Eclipse. Yes. Mitsubishi Eclipse. But yeah, that thing is just taking a licking and keeps on ticking. It's just, you know, it it's, keeps going. And, you know, like it was a gift to me and I was later able to gift it to my dad. And so it's definitely bailed more than one person out of a tough jam. <laughs> That's awesome. So January 2018, I take the plunge. I meet a girl on Tinder of all places with a pretty face and colorful hair. Well, she seemed to be she seemed to really like me as well and I wound up entering into my first Facebook official relationship since the tower fell. Well, I had ignored several red flags and ultimately she would decide 2 months into the ordeal that she was dealing with too many mental health issues to be able to maintain a serious relationship. I was crushed, but with the help of a supply of some amazing special brownies that I had procured at the time, well, I fell through the center of the earth at one time and ignoring the warnings and eating too many, but a couple of weeks of being miserable and depressed and I was back on my feet. I thought maybe I shouldn't be trying to get into a relationship, but you know, I should just try to date around a bit. So my roommate and I bonded uh, during this time as bachelors. We'd hit up a local Prohibition era themed bar for karaoke and then he'd be my hype man on the back patio. People now, instead of just buying me drinks, would lay down a couple of 20s for a reading. And my roommate would be there hyping everyone else and convincing them that I'd blow their minds and change their lives. And look at his beard. It's indicative of his wizardness. <laughs> that definitely sounds like something he would say. 
So I also started to rediscover my musical talents, and I started performing again alongside like burlesque and vaudeville sideshow acts. This was until my ex-wife and her boyfriend decided that they wanted to be part of the burlesque and vaudeville community as well. So I stepped aside, and I would decline gigs if I saw that her or her boyfriend had been booked on the ticket as well. I didn't want to make any waves, but soon enough, I found myself cancelled in that community with a large number of people in the community blocking me all at once apparently after a series of facebook posts outing me as the emotionally abusive ex-husband that she survived living with ultimately i just wanted her to be happy going about her new life and she wasn't happy with me but looking back i know i made many missteps along the way trying to learn emotional intelligence and not knowing how to set boundaries or how to get my needs met in a healthy manner that's like so, a whole new world trying to figure that out, man. It's, it's you got to change who you are. Right. And, and I've said it once and I'll say it again. Like your marriage should not be the testing grounds in which you learn these things. These are fundamental things that we should be learning as children growing up. But there's just so many of us out there that, you know, you, you don't have those basic needs met during childhood. And then you get thrown into, like, yeah, your 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 first marriage or something like that. And that becomes the place in which now you have to go and you have to learn all of these things. And unfortunately, like, our, our partners, they, they wind up getting hurt in the process. We wind up getting... It, it, it's a cycle in which you're both hurting each other and stumbling about trying to figure out these, these fundamental things. Maybe you feel the same way I do, but I feel like in my upbringing, I was upbringing, I can talk today. I feel like I was almost denied the ability of the freedom to make right and wrong choices, so I couldn't really figure out how to play the game of life. Oh, bingo. Bingo. It was, it, my, my upbringing was very strict helicopter parenting, very, like, hardcore LDS religious. Same. Like, I... I didn't have any choices about anything and and you know and I don't I don't want to be one of those people that's just like oh boo hoo my life sucks so bad because I had a bad childhood because I mean ultimately it's up to us to heal and move forward but well, obviously this is just a reflection of circumstances that have caused issues in our life this oh, isn't yeah. like we're fucked up because they were fucked up this is yeah that shit happened and we're this age now and we've dealt with it or are dealing with it the best we can Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I guess, you know, just giving a little bit of perspective of like how deep it was. I remember looking at um, graduating high school and I I scored pretty well, like on a lot of my um, a lot of my tests, you know, mechanics and science were some of my highest areas. So I had different schools that were like looking to want to bring me on board and trying to talk to my parents about this. The response that I got from my mom was, well, you shouldn't have to worry about that because Jesus is coming back any day now and you're not going to have to worry about going to college. Yeah, I remember similar statements from my mother. So, so yeah, this, you know, this is just kind of, you know, setting the stage for having to try to figure this out as an adult and having that arrested development and really not even being able to like start beginning to step into understanding who I am, what my core values are, things like that until, until late into my thirties. And even now 
like um, two days from now, yeah, January 30th, like I am going to be the answer to life, the universe and everything. I'm, <laughs> I'm turning 42, but I am not the answer to life, the universe and everything. But what's like, the question, Jeff? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I, I think a lot of us are experiencing this where it's, you know, you're in, you know, your, your late 20s, your 30s, your 40s. Some people out there, even like their 50s or their 60s, and they're like, you know what? I am in a state of just starting over, and like I'm, I'm, I'm learning from ground up here, like, and I'm, I'm trying to figure it all out and making the best go out of it with whatever time I've got left on this rock. So, anyway, I guess back to my story. <laughs> so I did try. No, wait a minute. Um. So yeah, I. I made lots of missteps around along the way, but I mean, ultimately she's entitled to cope, ho cope. However, she feels fit. Like, even though there's a big part of me that was screaming out in injustice and still kind of is, I think it was like Louis CK who says, you don't get to decide whether or not you've hurt somebody if they say they've been hurt. So, you know, she's entitled to her feelings. She's entitled to cope. However, she feels fit. Even if, I don't see it entirely as fair. So I did try dating some people in the scene and wound up with a brief friends with benefits situation that I backed out of when covert contracts uh, started to appear. I'll, I'll explain more about that term in depth a little later. But dating in general became more weird for me as I became more weird. More than once I'd go out on dates where I'd meet someone for coffee and soon enough my tarot cards would come out and the date would end with my date in tears because they were ultimately only there as a distraction from bigger issues in their lives that they were running away from. Isn't that dating in general anymore in this day and age? Yeah, yeah, but it's, you know, it, it just became a weird thing with me. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, like we met, like we got some common ground, let's meet for coffee. Like, oh, you're a tarot reader? Like, yeah, like I got my cards, you want me to like pull a few cards for you? 15 minutes later, they're bawling. <laughs> You did that one to yourself, good sir. <laughs> so, well, yeah, but I, I think kind of when, when we were doing the different surveys and things like that with the dating group, this was an interesting thing that we learned about just the difference between like the men that were in the group versus the women that were in the group. And like, what is bringing you here? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you like, why are you in this group? Why are you, why are you doing what you do? <laughs> and the consensus among most of the men that were there was they were there because they wanted to find a partner. They wanted to have a serious relationship for the women. The general consensus is most of them were there because they were bored. Yes. We were the nerds who ran a dating group and made surveys to figure out metrics better. Exactly. So, but I mean, it, it did give us some insight, but you know, under understanding that, you know, men going into the dating field, understanding that like, Okay, for us as men, like, understand that, like, a woman in one day will probably get, like, more prospects and propositions for sex and for potential relationships than you may get in your entire lifetime. For a man, like, going on a date or whatnot, this is very much put his best self forward. Like, I have to do good here. Like, if I, if I screw this up, I might not get another chance. Like... For, for a lot of women, on the other hand, this is just, they're just, they might not even have 
that much of an interest in you. It's a, okay, well, I'm bored. This guy's willing to pay. Like, and, you know, if he puts on a good enough show, maybe I'll give him a second date. So, yeah, for, like, men in general, it's like it's a lot more competitive. And I feel like there's maybe more of a feeling that, you know, they're putting a lot more skin in the game right off the bat. But I feel like as things kind of go along, like, once they're in a committed relationship, I feel like a lot of times the, like, the, you know, the, uh, the female in the relationship or the person taking on the more feminine energy in the relationship at that stage, they may feel like they've got a lot more skin in the game. They've got a lot more on, on the line, a lot more that they're risking now that they've actually decided to throw their hat into the ring and have decided to commit. So, but that's neither here nor there. That's something that, you know, we can dive into a little bit later and shoot the shit on. So, well, you know, I did try to uh, date somebody in, well, no, let's go past that. So, okay, June 2018. This is when a little red-headed woman responded with date in a game of date, smash, or pass in one of the singles groups that I was participating in. So I reached out to her, and after the second date, it was uh, pretty much decided on that we were going to give it a go and date each other exclusively. Things went pretty well for the first several months. Uh, we would go out to concerts and conventions, and she was just super chill and down for any kind of adventure. That summer, the, the job I had landed decided to lay off most of its staff to save a few dollars by sending their support to Latin American countries instead. So I delivered flowers for a few short weeks and my roommate extended an invitation for me to uh, help him work the barbecue truck. And we went out to the Mojave Desert to sell barbecue at uh, Wasteland Weekend. So that was a real transformative experience for me. So seeing all the creativity and everyone being free to express themselves however they seem fit and able to put forth that primal part of themselves in a land of dust, rust, and flamethrowers that they would have to keep bottled up in polite society. So we worked our asses off, and we would work until all the food that we had to sell was gone for the day, and then with the downtime, we'd socialize and see a little bit of what the Wasteland had to offer. So I soon became the Wasteland Wizard, or the Sorcerer was another name that they gave me, because <laughs> there was a challenge that was issued, because, you know, the, the spicy barbecue sauce that we had was not spicy at all for people that were used to the mojave desert so they brought us some carolina reaper peppers and made us a challenge to make an actually spicy sauce so ran a few experiments and i found a, com a combination that the wastelanders fell in love with that was uh, combined with just random crap that i found on the food truck so it was a combination of the carolina reaper peppers bourbon and smashed up canned peaches <laughs> I remember this so, sauce. So, yeah, that was, you know, like uh, business venture number 512 that kind of fell off to the side. But, you know, that that's a story for another time. But so after getting back from Wasteland, uh, the company that let me go would wind up calling me back saying, we made a mistake. You know, are you still looking for work? Are you willing to come back? Blah, blah, blah. Of course, I, I took the job back. 
So, but my relationship, it seemed to stop being filled with random adventures and chill vibes as weekends would end up just being filled with just drinking back at her place and her often getting sick in the process. And she just became more and more distant. There'd be days where I'd be lucky to get one sentence text back to me. And days where I'd drink myself stupid because I didn't get a response from her at all. She became less interested in any kind of physical affection and needed more and more time to herself to the point of where my roommate started calling it Schrodinger's relationship. We know Jeff is supposed to be in a relationship, but rarely do we ever see them together anymore. They don't post each other on social media and makes everyone wonder sometimes if there's a relationship there or not. So Wasteland Weekend the next year was the true beginning of the end, I do believe. So good vibes and freedom from the year before were not present at all this year. And she came to help, and we were expecting to work hard, but also to be able to play hard as well. So the owner of the barbecue truck came down to, to supervise, and everyone knew that the truck was going to be there this year. So from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m., there was a constant line. We'd all get sick from heat exhaustion at some point or another, and anytime we'd sit down to take a break, the owner would put it down in his little notebook. So the pressure was just to work, work, work. There wasn't enough food to meet the demand, so the owner would have to make trips to every store within a 200-mile radius, buying every brisket he could find. Half of the money that was made, I was told, went just back into gas and trying to procure enough supply to sell, and after a solid week of hard labor in the desert, my girlfriend made $400, and I made about 150 after I deduct what I put into bottles of the barbecue sauce that I brought that only a few people were actually willing to buy. She was livid, saying that she could have just stayed home and worked overtime instead of eating up her PTO to get heat stroke and only make $400 out of the deal with no time to enjoy the festival at all. From here, she would just keep getting more distant, even though there was a decision about moving in together to try to split the bills. Most of 2019, I was getting into my stride. I was getting bookings for parties and corporate gigs, as well as private clients as a tarot reader on top of my okay-ish day job. Started getting more into the realm of ceremonial magic, and we started having groups of random people over for moon rituals. December 2019, though, after decades of poor health, my mom passed of renal failure. The two friends that were by my side to support me through the ordeal, they would both be gone in a couple of years after that. My girlfriend during the process was a little more attentive than previously, but was still very distant. So while I was dealing with the loss of my mom, I had a strange dream where Loki wanted me to throw a party in their honor with specific rules that had to be followed, promising that there was going to be chaos in the year to come if I did not comply. Well, the next year was 2020, so we know how that went down. <laughs> So the premise behind the gathering led to a completely packed house with me hardly knowing anybody that was there. I was drunk, I was in mourning, and I was dressed in full wizard robes with runes painted on my face making sure everyone knew the rules of the party and blessing everybody by painting runes on their faces and giving fortunes for the year to come. Now there's been a few moments of peak wizard mode and I'd say this is one of them. And we definitely gave people an experience that they wouldn't forget. So we had somebody brought a full keg 
that they wind up having to just take back home because there was so much mead and other alcohol that other people brought that there was no interest in a keg. So, but I mean, this was just a temporary band-aid for a gushing wound, and I was not handling the loss of my mother too well. And with my girlfriend also seemingly becoming more distant and needing more and more space, 2020 rolled in and we discovered my father had a brain tumor and was going to have to undergo a major surgery. While this was happening, my plans were being made to move in with my girlfriend, though it seemed like most weekends she would just need time to be alone because she needed to clean up the place to get ready. Then COVID hit. Everything goes into lock in, lockdown. Girlfriend messages me saying she thinks that we should put off moving in together and only meet through video chat till this whole COVID thing blows over. I call it as I see it and at this point, and I asked her to put all the cards on the table. She was just getting more and more distant right at the point where we were preparing to try to move in together. Well, she backs out, citing COVID risks are the reason, and she doesn't want to risk meeting in person at all, but this could be for an indefinite amount of time. And she claimed that she loved me, but there was just too much going on with her mentally and that she needs to let me go and just, I need to find somebody better because she's just not suited for a serious relationship. So cue the end credit music from the original Incredible Hulk series as I walk off into the sunset. <laughs> so I had a good cry that night, but I felt like it was over fairly quickly as I had been mourning that relationship for several months already before it actually ended. So I jumped on board into a project uh, called the Seekers Council with a group of other magical types and we hosted weekly live streams and started diving deeper into ritual magic together you know this eventually would fall apart as the leader of the group would become more interested in wanting to put together a theme park and wanted everybody to move down to texas with to move down to texas with him to make it happen so while this was going on i met a girl who was a single mom of twin boys she was a leo and both of her kids were leos so i knew that was going to be a bit of a handful but but I also bonded with a good friend, Bishop, right around this time after he reached out to me to run the gauntlet. So this is a deep dive reading where I cover as many bases as possible with astrology, tarot, and a few oracle decks. And we take as long as it takes in order to make sure we cover all the bases. You know, ironically, it's because of this girl with the twins that we actually became as close as we did. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and yeah, so I mean, it turned out you had gone on a date with the same girl and you know she went ghost on you only to show up on social media with her status change to being in a relationship with another dude so bishop warned me of the red flags but i was sucked in because it was nice to be getting attention from someone kind and affectionate after dealing with a lack of communication affection and the cold distance of my previous relationship so this fling lasted all of six weeks before she would you know, use the, uh, well, you know, I just need to get my life together and and you need to find someone better and like, I'm just not ready for a serious relationship. And Bishop and true Bishop Manor saying, I fucking told you so, dude. Dude, you went hard in those six weeks. You were talking about finding a place for you all to live in together. You went head over heels nuts. So, yeah, that was, I mean, this was part of the, you know, that whole like, you know, I have to save this person kind of tendency. Like, I was I was getting into that. So, I mean, yeah, it was a good thing that, like, this thing fell apart. 
and that because I mean ultimately like her deciding like yeah like I'm just not in a good space to be in a relationship I mean it it saved your ass it it did it did save my ass because yeah that that whole thing would have been yeah that whole thing was entirely like me just being like I'm needed and she's being nice and I can save this person so not a good place to be in but yeah I mean ultimately like looking at it like I got stupid but it was calling it calling a spade a spade it was a fling Mm -hmm. so spent some time in isolation from quarantine building some communities online trying to keep everyone connected and then as one mutant baby i created grew out of control and became a headache to to manage i convinced bishop that we should put together our own little dating community now neither one of us are vanilla in the dating pool in utah well it's not quite as shallow as people would think it's just not easy to get more like-minded people in the same place at the same time and most of the dating groups out here are nothing more than mediocre dudes with holding fish in their profile pictures and mediocre women thinking that Starbucks shopping and hating men is a personality. So Bishop decided he was off the market entirely at this point to better discover himself, but decided he'd help her on the show, probably just out of boredom and amusement and watching me make the same dumb mistakes he had previously made <laughs> when it came to dating. But we wanted everything about the dating group to be different than anything you'd get anywhere else so we brought in my old friend the one who checked in on me when my life was shit and they would always chime in with her virgo motherly advice and opinions whether you wanted to hear it or not she agreed to be the group mom so long as i agreed to take time to find myself and be sing and be single and maybe be a bit of a man hoe before jumping into a relationship with the first person who seemed willing and utah alternative dating was born So September 2020, my roommate and I organized a primal screaming ritual out at some old ruins in a ghost town. The ceremony was entirely in the Druidic tradition. Everyone screamed, howled at the moon, purged, and they were all carrying, you know, and all that they were carrying that was no longer needed, they left behind and everybody left transformed. This was another one of my few peak wizard moments. So when we got back to cell service range, my phone blew up with, Nothing but complaints about who posted what offensive thing in the Krusty Butthole group now. That name comes from a joke about uh, the toilet paper shortages at the time. And it was supposed to be a community outreach group where we were helping people find work that had lost their jobs. Trying to figure out like where toilet paper and hand sanitizer were, you know, was. And, and just checking in with people, like making sure everybody was staying on top of their mental health. But it quickly grew into a group filled with assholes who didn't understand why no one thought memes making fun of the LGBT community was funny and conspiracy mongers and just a bunch of fucking creeps in general. So turnover for moderators and admins was happening left and right. And after I got back from the primal screaming ritual, it was decided this was a burden to be purged and a reminder to some people to be grateful for what services are willing to buy out of their own time and resources because They simply don't have to fucking do it if they don't want to. So there was much weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth from from the situation, but I just nuked the group entirely since no one could behave themselves and people were just being ungrateful assholes. So from the dating group, I would have opportunities to hook up and found interested parties that wanted to try to hook me into a relationship, but nothing was feeling right though, and each hookup just made me feel worse and more empty. Now I wound up putting on the COVID-20, eating way too much DoorDash, and hitting the bottle way too hard. My self-esteem was taking a hit as a, a few sexual encounters happened where my performance was just horrible, and there was 
times when I just couldn't get it up because I was either too drunk or, or I just wasn't into it. So I did a lot of what my current fiance calls washing the toad. So this goes along with the idea of covert contracts. So a covert contract is something that many guys tend to do when they don't know how to get their needs properly met. So as an example, instead of being upfront about their sexual desires and, you know, just moving along, you know, putting it out there, this is what I want, and then just moving along if they get shot down. Now, they'll try to do nice things for a girl, expecting that it's going to lead to sex in return. And, <clears throat> like, when that doesn't happen, then they get all butthurt and they become... But I'm a nice guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hate to admit it, but, like, I've been guilty of shit like this in the past. And so, washing the toad is what my fiancé calls it when the girl is aware of these covert contracts and knows she can get away with getting the guy to do whatever bullshit thing that she wants him to do by dangling the promise of sex at the end of the string with no intention of ever delivering it. It's like, here, go wash this toad for me. I know you're going to do it because I know you want to fuck me. So with this, there's stories of me literally losing my shirt because I wouldn't take advantage of a drunk girl, nor would I leave her topless for her roommates to find later. And headphones. Yeah, you know, my, my headphones and like my, my COVID mask that had the kittens on it. You're very proud of that mask. It was short-lived, though. Yeah, short-lived, but, you know, say lovey. So, yeah, and I helped more than one girl move. And then I had a real rude awakening when I drove four hours to meet a hookup for them just to back out. And thus I started becoming more of a dick. And... I had no qualms about using the Irish goodbye. And that was one case where I used the Irish goodbye. It was just a, well, you know, we know what I came down here for and you're backing out. So sayonara. I don't even have to say goodbye. You're just going to wake up and not find me there. So, and I, I did have a friend with benefits at the time who I would spend a good amount of time with. So they would eventually say they wanted things to become more serious. But the fact that they were polyamorous was one of many red flags. So they had gotten me to a point where I was considering just accepting a relationship and trying to roll along with their polyamory thing, but they met someone bright and shiny and new, and I was just relegated to the background. So, And they were roommates and good friends with the other Virgo mom friend who kept checking in on me. So things kind of started breaking down, and uh, one of my best friends, they went off the deep end, and they wound up getting killed by the police. So my friend with benefits offered little to no time and support during this difficult time, saying that they, they needed time to guard their energy. And then I saw just how more and more I was put on the back burner while being asked to wash the toad occasionally. So when I walked away from the situation of December 2020, my Virgo mother friend took the side of her roommate and called me arrogant and an idiot, and that the situation was all my fault for not communicating or standing up for my needs and wants. Well, I mean, ultimately she was right, but the situation was still bullshit and not truly what I wanted. So that's as far as I actually was able to, to write. So we're just flying off the cuff of what happened from there. Buckle up, everybody. It's going to go every so, which way from Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to keep it in a, in a mostly straight line here, but, you know, the alignment on the car isn't, you know, it isn't you know, 100%. So after that, I went into 2021 with this notion of I don't want to entertain anything that is less than what I truly desire. I don't want to be 
settling for scrums for, for crumbs or scraps or whatnot. I'm not going to entertain anything that doesn't look like it's going to be serious relationship potential. And I had somebody that I started talking to who I hooked up with uh, over New Year's. And, you know, they were interesting, very educated. We had a lot of deep intellectual conversation, but after we hooked up and after I tried to take them on another date, they kind of came out and said, you know, I got a level with you here. I got this thing where I'm kind of fucked up and I can only be attracted to guys who treat me like shit. And you're a nice stand-up guy and you're coming in, you're, you're trying to like treat me nice and trying to treat me well and because of that because of my fuck upness like i just can't be attracted to you that way so that and i had somebody else kind of knocking on my door who they came after me hard but they had a lot of problems of their own they weren't very stable and like and i said right out of the gate like i don't want to go into a situation where i have to try to fix someone i have to try to save someone you know we were talking about previously the trouble that i had gotten into allowing myself to get into that situation but yeah they with their life situation they were constantly asking for favors constantly asking for rides even though i lived like 45 minutes away from them and then they got really weird with the you should consider yourself lucky that i've deemed you that i've deemed you worthy to be serious relationship material and then after a few facebook yeah uh, rants about how all humans are ants and need to know their place uh i noped out of that one isn't this about the same time the full moon gave you all the gray in your beard <laughs> oh well yeah that's the that started my birthday 2021 that was also the start of mercury retrograde i hate it when mercury's in reverse cowgirl <laughs> So, and this was somebody who, like, I knew it was just, like, more flags than the entire old Soviet army. Oh, it was an entire carnival of flags for the Great World's Fair. So, but, you know, they kept hitting me up, and at that point, I was in you know, fuck-it mode. In fuck-it mode, indeed, you were in. And I, you know, can blame... Uh, mercury retrograde or whatever but i said you know what like this is a bad idea but i gotta find out anyway i mean it was a cute bad idea but it was very but, obviously a bad idea but it was obviously it was a bad idea and and the whole thing began and ended um with mercury retrograde and part of this was like i learned throughout this process though i saw like i was getting better about setting boundaries and they didn't like this they didn't like that I wasn't falling for a lot of the same games that other dudes did. I mean, I still was dumb. Like, the first, you know, little, like, waffle thing, because when I met them, they were just, like, right out of the gate. Like, like I can already tell you're going to be my next boyfriend and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the next day, just crickets, crickets, crickets. And like, I'm just going through a lot and blah, blah, blah. And... And then after like buttering me up and telling me like all the crazy things they wanted me they wanted to do to me in bed and so on and so forth, then they went into this like I don't want anybody to touch me mode. I should have just been like, okay, nope, I'm gone right then. Well, and we'd sit back and watch the parade of thirty second relationships. Yeah, but you know, I, I had to fuck around and find out. And so, so yeah, there was 
you know, with that, like, at first I was like, okay, I'm gone. They're like, no, wait, come back, blah, blah, blah. I just, I just need a friend. I'm like, fine, whatever. And then I remember there was the time we went to the club and they started going on about, you know, I saw them, like, you know, kissing on other dudes and things like that. And, yeah, like, they were trying to make me jealous and they were doing a, they were doing a good job about it. But then after their lecture of, like, you know, you will never find a love like mine, and but I can't give you what you want right now. I'm like, oh, okay. So I started flirting with other people on Facebook again, and they got pissed, because that's <laughs> not what I was supposed to do. So, yeah, it went back and forth like that for all three weeks of Mercury Retrograde, but it started at the beginning of that Mercury Retrograde and blocked them for good the end of that Mercury Retrograde. Now, this was the point in which I'm like, I have to be done. Just done, done. No dating, no hookups, no searching for a relationship. Just, I'm not fucking entertaining anything. It needs to be Jeff time. Yeah, I started going back to therapy again at that point. Because needed to try to figure out ways to be able to better handle the loneliness and things that I was going through. And more and more learning, you know, the importance of having friends. Like those close relationships. People that... You know, having somebody, you know, your your good group of friends that you can, like, dump on emotionally sometimes. And started, you know, going out, kind of exploring things myself. Like, went on a road trip with a friend to Colorado. Like, and, yeah, it was just, I, I was, I was surprisingly doing okay. Much better saying, I'm done with everything than, than I had previously been doing. But with this, I would eventually find myself in a position that I never thought I would be in in my entire life. And that was, yeah, I had a friend who, like, you know, awesome person. Like, and I knew this person for about three years. And at the same time, like, this random girl adds me on Facebook because she sees I'm a tarot reader and astrology th astrologer. Thinks that I'm interesting. I didn't think anything about anything because I was not on the market. Soon find myself in a situation where both of them are kind of proposing the idea of, like, this could be a potential relationship. What do you think? Now, I initially was like, I don't know what to do here. My roommate wasn't being the best help because, you know, him being a Gemini was giving the best Gemini advice possible. Well, who says you can't just date both of them and, like, see where it goes? <laughs> So I initially made the decision of I'm going to try to date this person who's been a good friend for a few years. And that decision was pretty, I pretty much knew that that was the wrong decision almost immediately after I had made the decision and told the other person, I'm going to pursue this path. Because it wasn't too long afterwards that all the cards start getting put on the table this other person doesn't really know what they want. And this doesn't look like it. it's going to be a surefire deal. Like, it might, we might become a thing. We might not. Who knows? Or in the meantime, I have this other person who, and as she brilliantly put it, she's like, I knew in three weeks what this person couldn't figure out in three years. I saw a man of value standing in front of me, a man who had it together, wasn't perfect, but had it together so much more than a lot of other men do. I saw someone brilliant with integrity and character. 
And I realized, like, yeah, like, he's not after anything right now, but I got to let this man know, like, this would be a big mistake if I relegate you to the friend zone. And if you want me, I want you to be my man. So I shot them down originally, but after, you know, and there's this list of 100 fundamental rules of life. One of those rules is check where you're standing. Make sure that you're never blocking a doorway. Like make sure you're never standing in the way. If you can't decide if you're in or out, then make room for other people to get through. And that's ultimately what this was. Like a three years, you don't know, versus three weeks. Like I see a man of value, somebody that like I want to make sure that he knows if he wants this, I'm not going to relegate I'm not going to relegate him to the friend zone. So even though I shot her down initially, like I realized this other thing is not going to work out. I was kind of moping around back and forth because I figured, you know, I made the wrong decision. Here, like I'm just going to be back to what I was I know I'm just going to be back to what I was saying I was going to do originally, like doing my thing, staying single, not trying to pursue anything. But this other girl sits me down and has a conversation. Says, you know, well, what do you truly want out of the situation? Like, if you could have things work out ideally, like, what would you want? I'd say, well, I'd maybe want another chance. And she said, done. But if you decide to go after anybody else ever again, you're in the friend zone forever. So, I and mean, that kid's the story of how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and ultimately from there, you know, just um, for you know for brevity's sake, because I think we're probably running about an hour over at this point. Just say, uh, you know, from there, it's this relationship has been a real learning experience. Like both of us have really had to get our shit together. It's like it's one of those kinds of relationships where we realize it's like. We have to rise up, become our better selves, overcome our traumas, and work together. Because if we just stay our old selves and our bad habits and things like that, that's when we, that's when we butt heads. That's when things don't work. But as long as we're committed to growth, and we're actually motivating each other to stay on top of our shit and move forward, that's when we have that peace. We have that harmony. We have that that um, that interdependence not codependence but that interdependence where it's like you know like we're actually building something here and yeah with that like we i was able to move out of my roommate's basement and we eventually got an apartment and well we were going to take over the lease for her brother but then there was fuckery with the apartment complex and then we didn't know where we were going to do, where we were going to go, what we were going to do, but she managed to pull a rabbit out of the hat, which is something that she's good at. Just like at the last second, just work this miracle. And now, you know, with that, we, we wound up in the apartment that we're in now. Like it's, it's nice. It's not like a four bedroom house again or whatnot, but it's a thousand square feet, you know, thousand square feet, two bedrooms, like everything is you know she's she's an excellent decorator nicely furnished we've got two cats we're actually like building something here so so, so you yeah. lost a cat mask but you gained two cats yep lost lost the cat mask but 
gained two cats. <laughs> so Pickle and Poppy, and they're they're assholes, but you know, well, you know, I love the little shits. So, but yeah, this is the story of my rise. Like I said, I mean, life's a roller coaster, and with that, you know, there's you know a lot of loss along the way. Like also, yeah, during that whole like 2020 thing going into 2021, you know, lost the one dog, then old dog Cerberus, you know, lost him early 2021, like age of 15. And so that, that was tough, you know, throughout all of that, losing my mom, losing two of my best friends, losing my dogs. Jeff always said that he figured Cerberus would take him out while walking down the stairs with a spoonful of peanut butter in his mouth. And we all kind of thought it was true because that dog didn't move for Jesus. <laughs> well, well, he, when he got old, yeah, he didn't move unless there was food involved. And that's kind of how we knew that things were getting bad for him was he stopped moving even when food was involved. And got to hand it to my roommate. I mean, there was a time that the dog would go downstairs because he's big, back, black, fluffy dog. And he had to go wherever the coldest part of the house was. And he would go down in the basement and then couldn't figure out how to get back up. And there was a time where he was trying to go up those stairs and just his hips had given out at this point and he was just giving it all he could but just couldn't make it up the stairs. And roommate came along and was just like, I'm just going to give him like a gentle push, try to help him get up the stairs. And well, like old dog with hurting hips or whatnot. Yeah, like I feel bad for that because... Cerberus turned around and got him good on the face and wound up having to get some stitches and some powerful antibiotics, but, you know, he didn't take it out on me or on the dog. He just, you know, realized the situation for what it was. And But, I mean, with that, like, with that kind of stuff happening more and more, like, yeah, eventually, sadly, it was, I think, kind of the end of the road was when he was just drinking water and then throwing it back up immediately. You know, and you found out, like, yeah, his esophagus is gone. Like, you either do the right thing or just watch him suffer for maybe one, two more months. So, I mean, that was rough. But, but I mean, through all of that, like I said, you know, you just, you can't expect life is going to be perfect. And the more that we do these things, especially if we're doing, like, shady, manipulative, secret, you know, th things in secret to try to like arrange things to try to make life run smoother and without like any conflict or any difficulties, we're only going to make the ride bumpier. You just have to accept like life is a bit of a roller coaster and you have to, you have to just like hang on for those ups and downs. But as long as you're gradually going up, then you're going to make a lot more progress than you are you know, bunkering down and trying to manipulate the situation to, to try to keep it as smooth and steady of a ride because a smooth, steady ride There's is just, no growth. It's just level. It doesn't it doesn't go up at all. It just stays where it is. So that is my rise up to this point. So still learning, still growing, still trying to like push upwards and still kind of stumbling along the way and just just doing my best, so be nice to me. I might cry. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is Jeff's rise story. So we're finally on the B side, the happy side, the flip side, where we get to hear about the good shit, not just the I wish I was dead shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you'd like to add to close this off, Jeff? 
No, just yeah, like give us your voicemails, people. Like we 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 want to hear from you. Like let us know. Cause I mean, this is this is not like fun shit to have to like recount and whatnot. So like, if this is helping you or any way or encouraging you to like speak up and tell your story or to make any positive changes in your life, like let us know. Let us know how it's going for you guys and. Like, and hey, if you know you're stuck and you're in a bind or whatnot, not knowing how to get yourself out of a rut, you can, you can do it completely anonymously. Just call us, tell us what you're going through, and you know, we'll, we'll help pick it apart for you. We are also open to suggestions for ideas you'd like to hear episodes on, because uh, after we have the uh, Great Royal Rumble of the Tower people, that's going to be the end of this season. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, that phone number is 435 435- Five three eight nine five five six, and with that, everybody, this is the end of Jeff's rise story. Yay! <laughs> and then uh, next episode, we'll have him do a new tower. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, this is Bishop. This is Jeff. Thanks for listening.